This is the one with a high bombardment of positive ions. The tomb, coronet, and harp of Rassilon. Great balls of fire. A power-boosted, open-ended transmat beam. And four doctors. It's called the Five Doctors. Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalent, Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode. By episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Well, hello, you beautiful, wonderful, marvelous, superb, bloody awesome people out there in podcast land. Uh, welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast or dog podcast. Oh my goodness, yes, it's in stereo. Well, it's not because we only record this in mono. (laughs) But yes, you heard correctly two voices there because I'm joined not only by the most stable member of the Who Back When team, Mr. Leon. Hello, Leon. Uh, In terms of appearances on this show, yes. Hi. Hi, Jim. Hi, (laughs) Podcast Land. (laughs) Yes, I am Jim. Yeah, I should have said hello myself first. Hello, Podcast Land. Thanks for joining us again. But yes, you did hear a third voice, the very astute amongst you. And it's none other than Drew Back When. Hello, Drew. Good evening, Jim. You you stole my next line, which was going to be, and who might you be? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Drew. Hello, Leon. Welcome to the class. Why, thanks very much. Or apparently, welcome back. You've done this before. It's been a while, though. Well, I've been a correspondent and a space pirate. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yes, I, I couldn't well, resist the uh, the chance to see all the the five classic doctors lined up for a chance at, at many many impressions, many many terrible impressions. Oh, I cannot wait for this. <laughs> of course, that's why he's joined us because it's not just any old episode of classic Doctor Who. It's the five doctors, the twentieth anniversary, C one thirty, as we've given it a delineation. The prequel to Who Will Survive by Michael Ridgway. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it cool to finally see all of the, the scenery that he described? I know. So exciting. <laughs> yeah. Sh- do we want any top-level thoughts, or should we jump straight into a B-Scout? Uh, liked it. Struggled b- between that and a different L word there, but yeah, liked it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm curious to hear what our classic Who virgin thought of it. Well, same, but nothing to compare it to except the horns of Nymon, which it easily bested. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, interesting. I think um, I'm also sitting in the very mediocre territory. Um, We are like-minded. See how we end up on the other side, perhaps. Mm. Because we're going to have to get everyone up to speed a little bit, even though it's a classic, classic, an anniversary classic. How about we give everyone a little peace count? Oh, let's... Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? When the malevolent force uses the time scoop to abduct four and a half doctors and an array of companions and plunk them in the death zone, Time Lord President Barusa sees no choice but to employ the services of the Master to snake Pliskin to the rescue. Sounds straightforward enough. Plenty of other beasties roam the arid wasteland of the death zone too, though. And when the Sharda tape gets stuck in the VCR, Doc, Doc, and Doc reunite with old friends and themselves to outwit them all. Can they get to the bottom of the mystery before it's too late? Will they? 
they be bested by an acrobat in silver PJs? And how many Cybermen screaming in torment can you reasonably decapitate on screen before it ceases to be a family show? It's the 20th anniversary special, so anything could happen. Peace go over. Peace go over. Peace go over. You are welcome. Dang right. Well, millions, yeah. millions of questions. Where Someone start, do we start with this? Where, where on <laughs> earth can we start? Does anyone have a million questions to start with? Uh, okay. <laughs> How did it feel to see all these past doctors suddenly on screen? Not just interacting with each other, just like to begin with, they're back on screen. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And uh, for me, it was a nice chance to see the second doctor. I've still not gone back and watched any of his episodes and i really liked him he's so good he's possibly oh it, it, it's almost as though he is aged best as in he, he practically physically hasn't aged he's still acting exactly the same and he turns up on screen fine bar a few wrinkles whatever he might as well just have stepped out of one of his old black and white shows whereas everyone else it feels a little anachronistic to have them there. Like, Pertwee doesn't, no offense to Pertwee, but like, Pertwee doesn't quite look like the third Doctor used to look. He's he's an older gentleman. The first Doctor is played by someone completely different. The fourth Doctor is just Sharda repeats. And we already have the fifth Doctor. Yeah, apart from a couple of unflattering close-ups on Troughton's eye bags when he's talking into the screen, he moves with such vigor and kinetic energy the the guy in the, the i don't know the military secretary is trying to stop him going in and he's spinning out of his way and he's bustling around the room scampering about <laughs> yes ex- exactly <laughs> it's oh i oh wow yeah no I, I i agree he might be my favorite one of these that was definitely the pairing i enjoyed watching on screen every time they appeared was him and bagels i thought oh so good they were, they were written well they performed well they were firing things backwards and forwards and it all kind of sat and you know i've seen bagels in so many episodes i've seen him with two other doctors i don't know it was really interesting to see him with a doctor i'd never seen before but it just works so nicely and me enjoy it like more than i think when he's appeared with the fifth doctor yeah i would agree he's slightly closer to uh, classic bagels than he was in whatever it was the um what was it called was it enlightenment no it wasn't enlightenment when did we last see him in uh the, the turlo episode yeah exactly i forgot what that was called <laughs> did either of you guys ever see around the world in 80 days with willie fogg with Willy Fog. Yeah, it was a kids animated version and they no. had a pair of sidekicks who were trying to track down Willy Fog because someone had accused him of a crime back in London or something. So these two cartoon police dogs were tracking him around the world and they there was Sarge and there was Bully who was this bulldog and he was always like, "Oh Sarge, I can't carry on any longer. Oh, I'm so hungry. Sarge, it's nearly lunchtime." And that was just their pairing. In, throughout this episode when they're in the tunnels and the bricks like oh doctor i'm really really starving i can't go on any longer like, they wouldn't just get on with it exactly the same yeah i can see that okay actually you know what i retract my previous statement of this was very very much past bagels because this is very much retiree bagels he is retired from service Whereas past bagels would have just run around, probably like pulled a gun or something whilst uh, underground. But he is better. He's mm, he's got a mustache, true. right? He's got his mustache again. Yes, but I think it, it was nice. It. That... That's the defining characteristic. I found <laughs> the other be. one. It's Mordron undead, and he had shaved his mustache in that one. No wonder we we thought it was he was out of sorts. 
is it also that he doesn't have any troops to order around? Like he doesn't have a second in command. He just has the doctor, and it's I don't know. Maybe that's why it's enjoyable. It's like he's forced to spend time with the yeah, doctor and not fall back on point, some yeah. military thing. I really enjoyed it. No matter no matter what the the reason is, like I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not going to take that enjoyment out of my head because <laughs> there are there are things I didn't enjoy in this. That's for sure. I'm going to leave that one oh. intact. <laughs> oh no, Jim! You got to specify it so that you can bottle it and put it into future bagel scripts. Okay. Um, no, I don't think I can bottle up the chemistry that they had. It was just good chemistry of a doctor that I enjoyed watching. Who I think I think you've mentioned this before that like Matt Smith reminded you of Troughton, and obviously. Yeah, the other way round. Troughton is reminding me of Matt Smith a little bit, even though he, you know he's a really old guy. But I think you nailed it that that kind of animated playfulness that he's able to convey that you wouldn't expect from someone that old. I, I feel really bad. I don't know how old he is in this. He's probably not that old. It's not a day. And yeah, ba- bagels being. <laughs> Being forced to actually listen listen to the doctor, but also being his normal kind of uh, slightly uncaring, slightly unbelieving self, uh, you know, I think it worked. Yeah, yeah. As, as close as we mere mortals can define it, it's something to do with capery and uh, a lovely pairing. But there's just magic on screen that we can never p- fully plumb the depths of. Yeah. I just want to highlight yet another Troughton line here, which in, in which the look on a bagel's face in reaction to it is is just priceless. It's when Bagels goes, oh, that's Colonel Crichton, my replacement, and Troughton uh, adds, just very casually, yes, mine was quite unpromising too. <laughs> yeah. And Newly decorated. The- Don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Such a guy. <laughs> what a dude. In the in the same thing though, when Briggs there at the start and they're talking about the doc and he's like wonderful chap all of them and i just thought that was that was such a little like nice line to get in there and um i think someone yeah maybe maybe the replacement commander has a reaction to it as well like what the fuck are you talking about and it's just yeah <laughs> nice how is this not number one on every memo that unit ever puts out by the way there's an immortal god being from outer space <laughs> who regenerates every now and then and he is on payroll how can anyone at Unit go, Doctor, what? <laughs> oh, wait, no, he does a Doctor Who. We get a Doctor Who from that guy. We do, yeah. Yeah, soundbite, 740. Who was that strange little man? The Doctor. Who? Yeah, I well, don't I mean, buy that. Like, that guy should be fired immediately. He clearly did not read the onboarding pack. The, the military hierarchy is very strict. If you start instituting new ranks, such as god being consultant then the whole <laughs> system is going to break down yeah I, I mean you might as well call that person president of earth <laughs> <laughs> exactly he's going to get very uppity and exactly start demanding poncy planes <laughs> what about the other doctors then how did you guys feel about uh pertwee I will be honest, Pertwee was probably my least favourite in this, but Mm. I think most of that was, and maybe I'm misremembering how Sarah Jane uh, interacted with different versions of a Doctor, I'm not quite sure, but it felt to me the relationship between Pertwee and Sarah Jane really was at her detriment, and she was made to feel like, like... Not even a damsel in distress, just unimportant and not very useful. Yeah, I I mean, this episode or this uh, special sets back (laughs) 
Sarah Jane and Susan, approximately two decades. Well, Susan, anyway. Neither one of them has any agency. They are constantly stumbling. Susan, at one point, falls down whilst just walking. Like she, she yeah, <laughs> she's not even allowed to walk away. She like it's as though her foot gets stuck in the ground, and she's incapable, mentally incapable, of comprehending how to dislodge it. But no, it's not just that. It's the fact that she tumbles down this very gentle incline, oh, doing so- the female equivalent of a Wilhelm scream. It's a Wilhelmina scream. Can you <laughs> soundbite it, and can we put it in all our upcoming audios? <laughs> Because it really does put the Wilhelm screen to shame. It is so over the top. And I'm glad to hear you say that this isn't what she's usually like. At that point, I've just written, Sarah Jane rolling down the hill and being pulled up by Doc is the least dignified ever. It yeah. feels and so bad. For fuck's sake, he doesn't even grab the rope himself physically with his hands. He ties it to Bessie and reverses the car like she's a trapped horse or something. I mean, what? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, no, it's it's dreadful. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get on board with what what they were doing there. Like, I get, I get what you're saying about Susan as well. She does nothing like in the serial, but Sarah Jane, I feel like gets a worse deal because she's forced to play someone. Well, you know, uh, Elizabeth Sladen's forced to play the character in a very unfeminist and just shit way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and what's jarring is that in the very same episode, they are setting up the first Doctor, as indeed he will be set up again, very shortly in the new channel, in Twice Upon a Time, as very antiquated and regressive, and yet they're treating the female companions in, in exactly this way. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I mean, it's reasonably far apart, about a page apart of the size I've made my screen uh, in my notes, but yeah, I've got a, a thumbs up for Tegan bringing up the first Doctor, because he comes in and just like says, go make some tea. But then it's a thumbs up as well because of the fifth doctor. The fifth doctor steps in and says, like, I mean, as we are all a bit want to do with older generative, uh, generations of relatives, is like, oh, that's just granddad. You know, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just have to humor him. You know, he's not going to be here for that long. Um, <laughs> Don't get him started on politics. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's not the best way to deal with it. But at least, like, the fifth doctor recognizes it as well. It's like he's recognizing an uh, older version of himself being being misogynistic and saying that's not on but can you just do with it for now tegan and actually turlo you go help with her that will that will make things better like it's not just yeah exactly about the woman it's about you being non-time lords <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah go and reward his sexism with an elaborate fruit basket <laughs> exactly forage from the far corners of the death zone <laughs> Actually, I have a question about the first Doctor, or the first Doctor and Susan, rather. Uh, Drew, do you remember how this might have been resolved? We did a an audiobook, I can't remember what it was called now, uh, An Earthly Child, is it An Earthly Child? Where the first, sorry, where the eighth Doctor is reunited with Susan, and it's the first time that she has seen her granddad since he abandoned her on Earth. Yeah, to a potato farmer, yes, I remember. Yeah, but they meet here, don't address that at all, by the way. She doesn't slap him across the face. He doesn't go, how did the whole apocalypse go for you? You know, did you enjoy that? Are you sick of potatoes yet? And then they leave together at the end of the episode. Yeah, so the 
Eighth Doctor Earthly Child Revival isn't treating this as canon, but it definitely is, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, why wouldn't it be ca- yeah, uh, Yes, you're right. Exactly. Hang on. Wait, is... is No, that doesn't work. I was going to excuse it on the basis of, oh, well, in these multi-Doctor adventures everyone loses their memories at the end but surely that doesn't happen for the non-doctors <laughs> <laughs> that only happens in certain audiobooks that <laughs> have yet to be fully produced uh, but well no it also happens in the day of the doctor the 50th when 10 and 11 meet which is how 11 doesn't remember way ahead of time exactly what's going to happen or anything like that you know they're all involved john hurts there they don't remember him either yeah that's true yeah but that, no that doesn't that wouldn't explain susan no Hmm. Well, this all ends very Wizard of Oz with Rassilon appearing from behind the curtain and just sending everyone home safely. Um, lots of <laughs> other things could happen at that point. Maybe Susan goes back in a different way and has her mind, mind erased. Oh, yes, it's a natural byproduct of the time fission. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bow to your superior techno babble. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Drew. How do you feel about the whole Rassilon thing? Did you guys also get, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Love and Monsters vibes? Oh, right, yeah. Into a slab for eternity. Into a slab, yeah. I thought oh, right. like, that, yeah. that part of it was wonderfully horrific. Like this yeah. this whole idea that there are these Time Lords now stuck on the tomb for eternity and they are alive. I mean, oh my God. That's horrible. But I, I did not enjoy the fact that Rassilon exists as a floating head, all-powerful entity thing. I don't know what the fuck was happening there, to be honest. And then it's just, until next time... <laughs> Until some other, other people stumble across the tomb. and uh. Well, I guess he's just biding his time, because at some point, he must be resurrected, right? I mean, apparently. Yeah, we have him in New Who. Yeah, for him to appear as Timothy Dalton. Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions. Is this the first time we've ever seen Rassilon? Was this a huge reveal, specifically for the 20th anniversary, that would have had fans? Oh my, what a question. Hang on, I cannot remember. I'm going to have to go to the Vindex. Rassilon. Mega excited was what I was going to finish and say uh yeah first time fantastic observation yeah we've only come across rassilon twice on who back when and they are in the end of time part two and in hell bent okay i think we've heard references to rassilon like it it kind of feels like it should have been a big reveal but then when we get to the tomb there's blatantly a body lying in the tomb and but then at the same time they're talking about the immortality of rassilon and i'm just going but he's lying there dead what the fuck are you on about he's not immortal and then his immortality comes out as disembodied head man who's a wizard. And I don't know, there's just so many different <laughs> ideas going on and conflicting yeah, at every what, stage. What is going on? What, what's happening? Why is he immortal? And what are his weird powers? Where do they come from? Exactly. Well, hope, like, why aren't all the time going to explain that? Doing this? I, yeah, I, true. I'm not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> There's another six years of classic still to go. Oh my goodness, is it only six years? Sorry, spoilers. No, you're so right. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, by the way, I've been born now. We have, we have crossed hey. the day of my birth in Classic Who. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, we are now in what? We are in like November, December. Is this a Christmas episode? Uh, we're, November we're in 83. November 83. Yeah. 
Yeah. So actually, the next the next series, there will only be five years left. This is like the only special in Classic Who, I think. Like, whereas it's not really part of a series. Like, New Who, we're I... used to a Christmas special that's kind of at the end yeah. of the previous series, although it's not, and it is at the same time, you know. Well, we've had Christmas stuff, but, well, have we had Christmas stuff? We had at least one Christmas episode uh, with Hotnell, Feast of Stephen. But, okay. um, no, you're right. We, was there? Oh, I'm trying to remember if there's a 10th anniversary. Wasn't the 10th anniversary the Three Doctors? Three Doctors, yeah. 10th anniversary special. But was that yeah, also okay, well, a serial yeah, yeah, or a, a standalone episode? Or uh, That was... Uh, no, I think that's like a two-parter or something. I've already closed Todd's wiki. I was eating up all my memory. The, uh, I, I think it's a two-parter. <laughs> Four parter, all right. According to Wikipedia, in which four we parter. don't get Rassilon, we get uh, Omega. Oh, that's the Omega one. Okay. Yeah, every ten years we get a another founding father of of uh, Gallifrey. Nice ish. The three doctors, right? I'm opening it on who back when. I was going to ask: Is the three doctors why Troughton and Pertwee are at each other's throats, calling each other scarecrow and fancy pants? Yes. Yes, exactly. And that energy is still... Oh, it's so good. Watch Three Doctors. You're, you're going to love it. I mean, it's terrible. And it's great. And uh, it's fantastic. And just checking, I gave it 4.4. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd be tempted to watch that RT after this. Yeah, do it. There's a similar way of... Hartnell is in that one, and uh, he was already doing quite poorly, uh, and so he effectively Skypes into the episode. It says a few lines, everything's great. In this one, we have a similar kind of... I mean, Hartnell at this point has been replaced, but uh, we have a similar... <laughs> way of treating the fourth doctor oh okay hang on here's a question for you we talked about this at the end of the whenever it was the last new who i think that in all the promo stills for this episode tom baker is just a a wax statue like they're using a wax statue of tom and uh, (laughs) how i'm not even gonna go ask if but how disappointed were you that they didn't feature that wax statue in this episode like people acting alongside or opposite a wax statue. I mean, not necessarily disappointed, but it would have been amazing. (laughs) (laughs) The doctors in the tomb of Rassilon could definitely have been working the the statue to try and convince Barusa that he was was still alive. Like, look, look, there are five of us you can't possibly... Be five of us, you fool. Submit to us now. <laughs> you work him. No, you work him. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, though? They, they basically weakened at Bernie's Tom Baker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. But they could have explained it in this episode because, I mean, we have to talk about the little miniaturization yes, stuff. Yes, the figurines. Whatever. Yes. Yeah, I don't understand it. But there, there are figurines of all the doctors. Rather than him getting stuck, like in a wibble wobble, he could have been stuck as a life size figurine. Yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> Retro rewrite of the week. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they should have done. And they could have really upped the comedy with um, Barusa's like, black-gloved hand just trying to put the massive one on the board. Like, oh, he's not going to fit. <laughs> the whole thing tips over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are those figurines meant to represent? I have no idea. Is it, is it purely there as a red herring to make you think this is the work of the master? Which I assume so, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Davison's I figurine is... Oh, sorry, go for it. I was convinced... 
Davison's figurine is still there even when he's left the death zone. So it has nothing to do with it being the death zone. But somehow yeah, there's it's like the system generates cre- like 3D prints a little model of someone. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. The it's doctor, like a little 3D Bessie. printer. <laughs> uh, I too, Leon, was disappointed that there wasn't a lovingly recreated little Bessie die-cast motor car. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> They'd sell in their millions. Absolutely. There's a, a Doctor Who fan that I believe does listen to this podcast some, sometimes. I, I think she's called Millie, um, who makes little hey, figurine characters. She's done a, yes. a Bessie. That is awesome. I've seen yeah. it. It's amazing. That's Millie McKenzie. If anyone's interested, have a look at at Cow Bear Creates. That's Bear the Animal. Very cool stuff. Also, Cow the Animal. <laughs> <laughs> It's just an abbreviation of Cowabunga. Well There's nothing to do with the animal. Oh, of course. Yes, of course. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh, uh, I have seen two things that appear either in this episode or in the promotional stills. This past weekend, we went to the Who shop. I think it's at the Who shop on Twitter. It's in Upton Park, which is like you don't expect there to be a Doctor Who shop, let alone a Doctor Who prop museum. In that museum, we had a fantastic guided tour of their prop museum. They have tons of stuff there, from this one, from upcoming uh, classics, a, a few new Who things as well. Really, really cool stuff. But among other things, they had the the red coat that the wax statue wore during the oh, wow. in the promotional stills. It, they also had the crown that Barusa wore uh, on. Oh well, the, the coronet of Rassilon. Is that's a question for, uh, that I wanted to ask you guys? Actually, is that the coronet of Rassilon, or because Barusa? Sorry, Barusa wears uh, something. That gives him enhanced telepathic abilities. And Rassilon wears... I just said Barusa, didn't I? I meant Rassilon. And Rassilon, the mannequin of Rassilon, wears a crown of some sort on the tomb itself. And I think they have the crown that the mannequin on the tomb wears. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did spot that there were two crowns. But Barusa's definitely talking about the thing on his head being the coronet. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I got mixed up there. Either way, yeah. Uh, if you happen to be in the vicinity of Upton Park, go there. It's fantastic. Yeah, don't bother with the West Ham game just take in the doctor who museum instead absolutely uh, west ham don't play upton park anymore this is old football knowledge 20 years ago in the in the era this was filmed i was bang on i could have fooled <laughs> me <laughs> jim's already hinted at something which i wonder how far we can take Ooh. which is that rassilon is very much like the wizard of oz so are yeah. our doctors <gasps> because obviously pertwee with his enormous mane of lustrous hair is the lion not cowardly him but he refers to Troughton as uh, the scarecrow oh my goodness you're blowing my mind right now I did briefly wonder about this and then I wasn't convinced lots of tin men cyberman tin men yeah oh my what are any of the companions wearing red shoes I don't know but I'm gonna scrub through the episode right now (laughs) (laughs) okay no I'm not that that is that's incredible though although they left Toto at home. That's an own goal. Yeah, that was a bit stupid. Oh, yeah. Okay, I had not made this association, this link when watching it. That's fantastic. I really was just prompted by Jim mentioning Rassilon as the wizard, which is probably the strongest parallel in the whole thing. 
Oh, certainly. Yeah, I mean, there there are themes in it which are just themes in plenty of stories of the whole kind of like being whisked to another land and then you're sent home at the end. Oh, the little Christmas trees are like inverted cyclones that pick them up from oh, their various yeah. tiny yeah, true. traces well or whatever. <laughs> Do we have well a wicked, done. wicked witch? I mean, maybe the master, but then he's trying to be good. There's no flying monkeys. No. Which is a shame. The TARDIS doesn't land on anyone with their feet sticking out from underneath it. No. Why don't more things have flying monkeys? I mean, come on. Um, No. (laughs) I'm not convinced of the Wizard of Oz uh, links, really. I just, yeah, I just felt it at the end. That was all. So, Leon, you have, like, uh, a bigger connection to all of the people we see in this serial. Like, was was there anyone else that you were particularly like, oh, my God, it's them? Okay, yeah. uh, In no particular order, obviously, all past doctors. Wee little Jamie! Even though it's fake wee little Jamie. The Zoe apparition as well, although I don't really understand why she's wearing bubble wrap. That's that, that was an oddity to me. Yeah, we've already talked about bagels. Uh, oh, hang on. There's another apparition as well. Can't remember his name now. There's another unit soldier who just shows up. Michael Yates. That's him. Oh, Yates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't know. I, I think the absolute highlight for me, although we've already spoken about him, the, the highlight for me is, is Troughton. He's off the chart good. Like, so good that I wonder why he retired from this role. That level of good. Whereas everyone else had kind of maybe like the show was ready to graduate to a different era or to just mature but Troughton is is timeless in a way for the same reason that we now have or we later had Matt Smith trying to cosplay as Troughton Troughton works like Troughton works throughout the ages yeah I guess that's that's an interesting thing actually like we've already said all this but you know the fact that Pertwee's third doctor and um I don't even know who plays the first Doctor, actually. I'm not sure who the actor is. But whatever, Hartnell's the What's, first what, Doctor. What is his um, name? Her, Hern, Richard Herndl. Intentionally or not, and I think mostly intentionally, like they appear as, you know, older characters from an older time that don't quite fit in and they're you know thrown into situations that are a bit awkward and yeah the second one second doctor just kind of like you're right timeless is the word i think it didn't have to matter that he came from the is he just in the 60s 70s 66 to 69 and i can tell you the reason why he retired because in those three years he recorded 127 episodes oh what a dude (laughs) what an utter time dude I think it also, his appearance here is, is further emphasized or enhanced by the fact that he's paired with bagels, whereas everyone else, it, it, there's something bad about their pairing. Like with Pertwee and Sarah Jane, uh, fine, but we've already established Sarah Jane is hard done by. First Doctor, instead of what would make perfect sense, instead of pairing him with Susan, he's paired with Tegan. And Susan's just left behind. Yeah. Probably because she might get her foot stuck in more flat <laughs> earth. She'd manage to get her foot stuck in that perfectly smooth, flat, unblemished checkerboard. It's <laughs> got nothing on it. She trips over an atomic grain of dust, is zapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did you feel about the pairing of uh, First Doctor and Tegan? Or, like, how do you feel about Tegan in general? I, I thought it could have really worked, actually. I don't think it quite worked. 
but I think the idea of having like a slightly sexist old man doctor and a very very strong willed and when she gets the chance to be written well and a good episode very fun and entertaining companion yeah. in Tegan you know that that's that's what something like this special can do is mix things up and make a really interesting pairing but I don't think it quite paid off unfortunately there's a line of Herndl's to Tegan that's something like and please refrain from calling me doc which I think is a callback to Podcast Land might murder me for this. I think it's it's I think it's Vicky, uh, another past companion. Oh, Vicky Lopez, I remember her well. Yeah, Vicky, who was brought in to effectively replace Susan. He abandons Susan in post-apocalyptic London and then immediately goes and gets himself a surrogate granddaughter in Vicky. And I'm pretty sure that she kept referring to him as Doc, and he always would like stop calling me Doc. Wait, if that's the case, then that's actually even worse now. So they have his actual granddaughter and they make, they pair him with someone else and make a callback to her replacement. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Leon, we're skirting around a very big question, which is how does Richard Herndl do assaying the role of the first doctor? I think he, he does an admirable job. He's not quite Hartnell. I think he does a great job. Well, I, I can't fault the man in any way. But but he's... <laughs> oh, sorry, Bill Hartnell. Uh, he's almost too young for the role. <laughs> you know? Like, William Hartnell, he was an older gentleman, but he also played a grandfather, like uh, an older man, a much older man than he himself was, I think. More discombobulated, less dynamic than Herndl does. Herndl doesn't Herndl. flub a single line. He doesn't flub a single line. He does, like, one, hmm? which is quite nice. But in general, he's <laughs> almost too vivacious for my liking. Wow. <laughs> but how long would a discombobulated old grandfather survive in the death zone, really? Well, discombobulated old grandfather Hartnell was on Scarrow in his second outing as the Doctor. He survived lots of shit. He was <laughs> in Galaxy 4, the uh, e- episode that may or may not take place in Galaxy 4, which was also like an arid wasteland. He, he faced a ton of crazy danger, but he was just a, a Mr. Magoo type character. I don't find that Herndl is quite as Mr. Magoo. Herndl is really like, he's with it. <laughs> You know, he's he's just like, oh, you know what? I'm totally on board. I can follow every plot line. I'm absolutely okay, except my politics uh, might be a little outdated and also my back hurts. That's it. And also, he's the most perceptive of all in the tomb at the end. Yeah, that's yes, what I was right. going to say. Like, yeah. is is that the proof, proof of the pudding that, yeah, he... Uh, so do you think if that was proper first Doctor Hartnell era, that wouldn't have been the revelation. First Doctor wouldn't have worked that out when the others didn't. First no, Doctor I think he Hartnell, probably would have. First Doctor Hartnell would have meant to say um, don't trust him, and accidentally said, trust him, trust him! Trust him! Don't trust him! Don't trust him! Yeah, I can't do it. But yeah, I mean, he does a great job. Case closed. I can't speak ill of an old man, or let alone two. <laughs> They're all great. Yeah, because I, I kind of like that. I liked that it's the first iteration of the Doctor that is seeing through stuff and being a fucking ruthless bastard with it as well. It's like, you know, just... <laughs> 
Let let no let him do it. It's fine. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Honest, yeah. Like it'll be yeah, exactly. Like, it's also the benefit of everyone if he just goes there. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Duck in a tomb for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> and then right before the end, off camera, he walks up with a little feather and starts tickling him under the nose. <laughs> he seems like a really, really sadistic prick, doesn't he? <laughs> Oh, this is where canine could have come in and just like lifted a metal leg as well. Anyway. <laughs> the first doctor could have come in and said, Oh, well, he's he's going to get thirsty. I'll put a bottle of water just here for you. And you could see like, the tongue stretching out the face now. Oh my god, I'm just I'm remembering all the things that were said in the Lovers and Monsters episode now. <laughs> yeah, I deliberately did not go there. <laughs> Hey, no one has. It's just if uh, if you can make that connection to yourselves in podcast land, then maybe you'll be laughing. Maybe you'll be throwing up on the floor. I don't know. What is the history of Barusa again? Can you remind me? Because we've encountered him a ton of times. He was the doctor's teacher at uni, I think. Oh, yeah. And then he was was he chancellor? Like he he's been like, yeah. the the council that we see. We've got the castellan that's basically like head of security. Is he the same castellan as before? By the way, the way the interactions went down and some of the dialogue. I I took it that yes he was. I can't remember exactly what happened the last time we we interacted with a castellan. I think that was that was probably was that when we the, had uh, Deadly Assassin. Colin Baker. We had one after oh, that. Yeah. I think. Oh, that's what <laughs> I thought about that as well. When when they had the guard come in, wouldn't it have been amazing if the guard had been played by Colin Baker? <laughs> like, I mean, just that get would another have been doctor special. in here. <laughs> yeah. Little do they know. Sorry, I totally stole your point and talked over you at the same time. Ugh, I'm not even drunk this time. <laughs> yeah, we had the Castellan, we have the Chancellor, and the President. Was it just the three of them? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think like, you're right about Castellan. Oh, sorry? Was was Barusa Chancellor before? Or was was he some other thing that like had, had a kind of religious-sounding title? Oh, yeah. I think he was... I think in The Deadly Assassin... Oh, wow. I, I'm sure we must be angering a lot of fans, but is it not in The Deadly Assassin... That Barusa is made the president, as in like Doc is meant to be the president, but in his absence, doesn't Barusa, isn't he effectively forced to step up? Oh, quite possible, actually. Yeah. How did you feel about, okay, the the, the payoff that Barusa is president and it's the president that's behind all these schemes and the grand plan is, I want to rule forever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might have got how, how little I cared about it, but yeah. <laughs> did anyone else kind of like think this is an amazing plot? Oh, wow. Wow, this is this is the ending I, I deserved. <laughs> I don't feel like I know enough about Barusa to say. Well, I'm trying to remember if we've always felt this way about Barusa. Have we ever? Did we not? Perhaps, in fact, in the Deadly Assassin, kind of sympathise with him? Didn't we like him back then? Have they taken a good guy and just turned him into a bastard here? I think not even a character arc, just two character dots connected by a straight line. I think well, it's was it the same it, actor we because they they do say earlier on in the episode, um, your regeneration hasn't helped your stubbornness. Yeah, anymore. I don't think. It, I think for that reason, it's uh, it's not the same actor. I don't remember <laughs> really, but no, I don't think so. But that Ooh. would be the in episode justification for turning a good guy into a baddie because something went a bit tits up with the regeneration. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. But wouldn't that be? A, oh, th- that's that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? Like, I- imagine if the Doctor had one one life, one regeneration, where they were maybe a bit more egocentric. <laughs> I think we're getting to that. Ooh. <laughs> 
would you forever turn them into a a flashlight you know like that 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 doesn't seem entirely balanced <laughs> bruce was a great person was a professor at gallifrey university at some point and now it's just like nope <laughs> sorry <laughs> just out of reach of that glass of water now i just give him fewer episodes and sabotage the show until it's eventual demise <laughs> thanks lou grade Oh, I don't get this reference. Lou Grade? I think I think that's the right uh, name of television history. An unsympathetic producer who oversaw the eventual decline of the classic ah, era. I didn't know that was the producer. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying now. Yeah, but even so, the Doc wasn't... Like, the character of the Doctor wasn't made to suffer in all eternity. Whereas Barusa, I think at some point we actually enjoyed. I think we liked him. I think... Um, so I've, I've gone onto Wikipedia just to try and try and piece together some things. And my memory is still not complete after reading the summary on Wikipedia. That's what age does to your people. And <laughs> I think we've had a very up and down ride with Barusa. I think he started out as like the hardline teacher type person who you could kind yeah. of like in a respectful way but was probably crossing lines here and there. There's a mention of him having illegally become the Lord Chancellor. Previously he was Cardinal. That was the religious thing I was thinking of. Yes, you're right. I can't remember what this illegal way of becoming the Chancellor was but anyway, you know, that was a thing. And then, so the last thing we had was Ark of Infinity and that's when he was the president and at the same time he was being framed for i forgot what the crime is but basically throughout that you're meant to well like halfway through you're meant to think that barusa is the bad guy and he's not he's being framed and by the this master, time right? around it's not of infinity the one where the master it tries to it's like the last time we saw the masters when the master uses some alien race as rocket fuel and he kidnaps uh, like british airways crews and transports them across time and space drew if you're not a million percent on board for classic who after that synopsis by the way <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> <laughs> Is Am I thinking of a different one? Is that not Ark of Infinity? Ark of Infinity is the one with the Amsterdam stuff. Yes, exactly. That's the one where you have a one? British Airways crew that's taken across space and time. Tegan has, at this point, already stayed behind on uh, in in London. And at the end, goes to the airport and is like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Barusa has been a little bit grey, portrayed as a villain, but actually the good guy, and now straight up the villain. Um, yeah. well, I mean, they've had fun with his character, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I have no idea who Barusa is, really, still. Like, we've never had enough time to kind of establish much about this character. Just shoved into different roles. Okay, questions about Barusa and his weird plot. Question one. Why does he change into a black outfit when he does nefarious shit? The master does it, and if it's good enough for the master who are you to object <laughs> that's a super good point okay so why does barusa wear all black allow me to rephrase why does barusa wear all black when he does nefarious shit if not only to implicate the master when observed by the over-the-shoulder camera that is only there for our benefit. Well, all these um, backstage plotters uh, doing palace coups get paranoid, don't they? They don't know who might be watching and from on from which angle. That's true. That is true. Okay, question number two. Wait, wait, wait. No, <laughs> I, I have explains a... it all. Oh, I, I have two things to add to this. One is uh -huh. I'm really enjoying the thought that's in my head currently, which is the master has some downtime and gets into into some beige tracksuits or something. Something just to, like he's not doing nefarious <laughs> shit because <laughs> we only obviously see him when he is doing nefarious shit that's why he's on in, in all black 
He does um, a reverse Barusa. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, when um, watering but... his plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's just there, in, like head to toe corduroy, <laughs> just <laughs> watering plants, feather duster, <laughs> solving crosswords. Oh, I'd love that. Okay, more questions yes. about Barusa, though. <laughs> sorry, now now I'm adding a show. Oh, sorry, like, you had another one. Sorry, the 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 master. I don't know the the master like a Bob Ross style show with the master. Anyway, anyway, no. But my second thing was huh? maybe maybe Barusa actually wants to be caught, and that's why he wrote his secret little tune to get through the painting on the painting. I mean, I wanted to ask you guys about that as well. That's like keeping your pin code on a post-it note in your wallet. That's crazy. Why would you do that on a post-it note? on the credit card that's that's what it is that's like signing the back of your credit card with your pin code (laughs) or or sellotaping a key to a door saying use this with a big arrow pointing to the keyhole and along the arrow is written in this (laughs) exactly (laughs) then twist (laughs) yeah someone's just going to stick it an arrow to show you what direction to twist it in exactly And on the arrow it says, so to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) The room inside is just like littered with writing of just move left foot, move right foot. (laughs) I just realised that both the 20th and 50th anniversary specials hinge on hidden meanings in paintings. Ooh, nice. Oh, yes. Good observation. And in both cases, the fourth doctor is sort of, but also sort of not there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, true. Can I take this opportunity to replace Lou Grade with Michael Grade, Lou Grade's nephew, who was actually the head of BBC One when he put off Trial of a Time Lord by a year and a half. Oh, holy moly. Dick move. Yeah. Michael Grade. Not Lou Grade. Michael Grade. Michael Grade. So small. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had more Barusa stuff before I, I derailed. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I only have one more question because the um, leaving the code thing on display was something I wanted to ask you about. What did you guys think of his lair? Isn't that incredible? Oh, I do love that lair. Tell us about it. What did you love about that lair? Well, just the commitment. The sheer commitment. to. I mean, if this guy has recently become an arch villain after years, if not lifetimes, of being a passable tutor and fairly upstanding member of Time Law Society, wow, he had a hidden talent that he wasn't fully expressing. Right? <laughs> Gorgeous set design. There's almost a Tron-like effect of circuit boards in the background flashing, almost like a cityscape of circuit boards. There's, I want to say it's a green light. Maybe it might, might have been a yellow light. That green is involved. It's gorgeous. Okay, I don't have questions about Barusa, but I have other questions. Go for How it. How about Go a ahead. question about a character we haven't really talked about at all? Namely, the master. We haven't talked about the master at all T- what tonight. What makes you think I want to talk about the master? <laughs> <laughs> I have a few questions, but yeah, the, yeah. certainly you the biggest thing on my mind. <laughs> yeah, take this no, one, no, you go I, for I'm it. sure you go that for we're going to ask the exact same question. No, please do. Please do. As in, who's this tailor and where can I get one? <laughs> <laughs> Is his name Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat is what 
Pertwee says. No, it, it's just an exclamation. It's, it's like jumping Jehoshaphat, but without the jumping. Oh, well, now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's just a marker of surprise rather than, ah, I'm going to reveal what your true name is after 20 years in this understated way. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I'm an absolute dork. What? What? A, I'm, I'm such an idiot. Jim, uh, please tell me you wanted to ask the same thing. Please <laughs> make me feel less <laughs> singled out as an idiot. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly the same thing that I wanted to ask. Oh, phew. (laughs) What a natural question. Perhaps I am in the wrong. Uh, Jim, what was your question going to be about the master? Well, my question would be, why the fuck is the master doing anything to help the doctor? Why do the Gallifreyan Council think the master wants to save the doctor and help the doctor? And just, yeah, all of this. (laughs) The Gallifreyan Council offers him a whole new sequence of regenerations, which, as I understand it, is what the classic master is largely about. Yeah, at this point, he's run out of regenerations. Like every, Every regeneration of his is a cheat. Is, is he that desperate? Like, I was, I mean, surprised that he would come to Gallifrey full stop, you know. Dude, he went to Gallifrey as a skeleton, the one where he twirls yeah, around his a... skeleton dick. He went there as a skeleton in order to basically collapse all of Gallifrey like an opera hat in order to regain his regenerations. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is desperate as balls. Oh, right, maybe. I don't know. He seems quite happy as Ainsley. Like, he's just... Oh. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true, but it, but but he's going to die at some point. He's going to need to regenerate or give up. So th- I'm assuming that this doesn't mean... Well, actually, hang on. That is a question for you guys, then. Does that mean that as a prize, Barusa or the Gallifreyans, the Time Lords in general, would not only give him a new set of regenerations, but effectively force him to regenerate into that cycle? Or would he be allowed to continue as Ainsley before he got his however many regenerations? It depends how much he's fucked things up to be as he is, because he didn't regenerate into that character. He kind of stole it, didn't he? Yeah, so maybe that true. Maybe that isn't a thing you can regenerate from. Maybe they need to kickstart him again, give him a little sp- Spark. Yeah. Okay. In which case, know. he might just like, be inclined to continue cheating. But that, that's an interesting thing that's left at the end of this, though. I mean, you know, questions about where everyone is sent back to, notwithstanding, like, what happens to the master? Does he get his reward? Presumably not, because it was the president that did it, and well, offered it, and the president's now um, a slab. And... <laughs> yeah, the, the only survivor of that scene is Chancellor Flavia. True, yeah. Wait, hang on, what well, does happen to the master at the end? Now, but she's, she's now president so she could she could do stuff wait is she president isn't doc technically president yeah she's acting president until he can be asked to do something i guess but you know she has the power of president he he (laughs) says as much doesn't he yeah what what happens to the master remind me i think just just sent home yeah he just fades out of screen right how do they know where to send him wait hang on how do they summon the master oh hi master you're wanted you're like the fbi number one most wanted person fbi is the flavia barusa initiative (laughs) (laughs) excellent excellent uh, you're wanted for countless crimes against uh, Gallifreyandom. Um, do you want to take this job? What? He hasn't been arrested. He was a free man. They just, you know, 555, the master, him, and there he is. Yeah. What makes you think I don't want to sit down for 11s? <laughs> 
While we're mentioning Flavia, by the way, can I bring up a little bit of cast trivia? Mm-hmm. Flavia is played by Dinah Sheridan, who I know personally from countless rewatches of the 50s film Genevieve, which my dad is probably his favourite film. But on her <laughs> Wikipedia article, it says she was one of the first actresses to appear on television. Full stop. Wait, what? What? Wait, 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 wait. Pretend that I'm ignorant in this context. When did television start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, basically in 1936. And she was a very young actress in 1936. And she was interviewed on the BBC magazine programme Picture Page. They were still working out what to call television programmes by making analogies with books. And now here is our picture page with the young girl Dinah Sheridan. That's that's fantastic. That that's insane. <laughs> is it a weird technicality that she, she was interviewed on a not a performance piece, but she was an actor, so she was one of the first actors to appear on television? Oh, I don't know. Well, it said that it was only that year that the BBC had started broadcasting from Ali Pally. Proper idiots, lantern, early BBC history. So (laughs) she was possibly one of the first women to appear on television. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's incredibly impressive. She also lived at 92. She only died in 2012. That's a good innings. Um, Raising a beaker. Dinah Sheridan, was that it? Yes. Was that her name? You know what we haven't talked about? The Raston Warren robot. Bingo, go for it. Oh, wow, (laughs) I was going to say the countless aliens, but go start with that guy, please. What a well-defined crack. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, thank goodness I wasn't the only one who freeze-framed that. Well done. (laughs) I didn't freeze-frame it, thank you. Uh, It was just apparent. You're really brave to admit it, Drew. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What a quirky robot. I mean, yeah, equal parts. What a freaking crazy, violent scene. Uh, Amazing, yeah. Like, the violence levied out from that beast of a machine was incredible. (laughs) And what a clever thing just to push the boat out a little bit. It's like, we're going to have, like, some real hard-to-see things. Decapitations, this kind of stuff. But it's against Cybermen, so it's okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a Cyberman who gets his face melted. <laughs> there are so many of them who whose chests explode. <laughs> yeah, this is an entirely yeah. appropriate thing to broadcast in the middle of children in need. Definitely. <laughs> but this isn't the first thing as well. But isn't it earlier that we have the Dalek, which is way more violent than you normally see a Dalek explode as well, seeing the, the actual creature inside that's playing true. around. Is that the first time? I think that's the first time that we get to see the inside of a Dalek shell. Oh, wow. Lots of firsts. Possibly. Like, I yeah, think so. We've, we've, like, seen it looks the, exactly seen the like a creature. new. Yeah. Sorry? Like, we've seen the creature on its own. We've seen yeah. the shell exploded. Maybe it's the first time we've seen, like, yeah, the two together. I think so, yeah. It is the I mean, first I don't time know we've what... seen one flap to death. Definitely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and don't they even have... Yeah, exactly. You had flaps. It's like they have uh, compressed air or something blowing from underneath, and its little tentacles just go... Uh, Oh, wow. You were watching yeah, uh, asphyxiate. Plausibly, biologically plausibly, the air, the life is being drained out of it. Please yeah, if, it, if anyone is wondering which clip we're referring to, just go to snufffilm.com slash this episode because it is insanely violent. <laughs> Did you see that one Cyberman puke cyber fluid as he fell forward? <laughs> 
I missed that bit. <laughs> I was too busy like concentrating all the impalings, like the one that had it just going through his arm and then just wandering around going, what the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> he would have taken it out with his other arm, but he didn't have a little arrow drawn to it with directions on what to do if he <laughs> got impaled that way. Exactly. Actually, no, I have a feeling he might have had that arm cut off shortly afterwards. I can't remember. <laughs> I think so. There's definitely a Cyberman who loses a limb. Uh, we have the, the classic bad guy gets impaled on something but continues to stagger for a bit. There's a Cyberman who... This is so gratuitous. There's a Cyberman with one of those, uh, not spears, but whatever they are, sort of arrows stuck inside of him, walking towards the rope that Pertwee's third doctor has slung across the chasm in order to you know, climb across zip to line, the tower. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah, zipline. And the Cyberman walks into frame, and I at least was absolutely convinced that it would try to chop off, or maybe even succeed in chopping through the rope. Obviously, Pertwee would save Sarah Jane in the last minutes, and, and unfortunately, obviously not the other way around, but it would still do that. But it doesn't even try. It just dies. It staggers into frame. <laughs> <laughs> looks tormented and then dies. Yeah. Well, you you didn't need to do that. You still did. <laughs> well done, but holy shit, that is some dark stuff. Yeah. It was that that was a cheap yeah. cop out moment. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose it being gruesome justifies it a bit. Yeah. Okay, so the killings from is it a Raston robot? Um yes. were very entertaining. <laughs> I I highly approve. <laughs> I'm not really into, like, massive gratuitous violence, but I enjoyed it in this. But the robot itself, like, why does it jump into the air every time it teleports? I mean, what? Loved it. Loved (laughs) it. (laughs) I'll tell you why. So that you, its imminent victim, are looking up, being like, oh, where's it going to land? And while you're distracted looking up in the air, it's on the ground and it shot a dart in you and you're uh, impaled or exploding or falling over or all three at once. Or walking into the next scene in order to die impaled and explode. If you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I liked just how crap it was. (laughs) Oh, me too, yeah. I, I actually thought that asking a little imagination of the audience sort of worked for buy-in and made it a bit participative it, of course it was cheesy enough but everybody was happy to go along with it because of how deadly it was i, I mean where do these robots hail from how have they not won every death zone game that is the the most tremendous murder machine we've ever encountered in the show oh yeah i mean what the what the hell are the daleks doing and the cybermen doing like this Nothing. thing should be ruling the universe <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So, okay, imagine or reimagine any cyber story since then, but with Rustin murder robots, warrior robots, sorry. Uh, I became too honest in my, in my nomenclature. <laughs> Silver Nemesis, anything, like any cyber story, but with a Rustin, uh, Rustin warrior robot. I mean, game you know, over. The, the only we Cybermen that would ever had a chance are the super speedy ones from Nightmare in Silver, the ones that yes, evolve yeah. for about five minutes of the episode and then don't <laughs> forget so that they can actually be defeated. 
completed. What I want to know is why wasn't the Raston Warrior robot brought back instead of the terrible Scovox Blitzer that we got in the Caretaker as the yes. so say greatest, most deadly robot of all time? Just bring this guy back. Yeah, I'm sure we've had quite a few robots that are the Ore Warriors who are the greatest warriors, the greatest killing machines in all the universe. No yeah. one stands a chance against this person. And by the way, this person, or this this robot, throws darts. Like, it doesn't even, could carry a gun, could make this quick, chooses not to. <laughs> yeah, we've got someone in really buttock-tight, buttock-hugging spandex. And all it's doing is throwing sticks at people, just to be extra sadistic. Can you imagine how nervous the head would have looked in the caretaker if he saw that thing sprinting down the corridor, just jumping (laughs) randomly around the school? (laughs) Imagine the scene in the caretaker. Who is it? Uh, Remind me, is is it Pink, who jumps up into the air and does a (gasps) portal? Yeah, it is! Imagine that, but then cut Pink out of the scene. (laughs) Like (laughs) mid-air. That would be the equivalent. <laughs> I'm trying to recall. We I not feel like about? we oh, saw a robot quite similar to this in the sense that it was obviously a person in Lycra in a previous classic not that long ago where a group of soldiers went you into like, of the, Oh, Are you thinking of the one with the cat people? can't remember what it's called now. The one where we lose K-9. Is, is that the one? They definitely have warrior robots there, like guard robots. But they're they're more medieval. No, I, I'm thinking of um, people in people in Lycra. I mean, I'm oh, always okay. thinking of that, obviously. But you know, <laughs> it's more specific <laughs> yeah, today. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Finally, your two interests have aligned, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, while you're trying to remember that, I had a different association, and that's in New Who, possibly also in Classic, but I don't think any Classic that we've encountered yet, but in New Who, I'm almost certain that we've had robots that are, they're ba- they basically look like bikers in New Who. And the Raston robot looks like a, I mean, spandex notwithstanding, uh, it's wearing a helmet. It's wearing sort of a motorbike helmet, it's just, it's grey. That was the one bit of it that looked good, in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes weren't looking far enough down. (laughs) That was intentional. (laughs) At the time he jumped, I had to blink at exactly the right moment. Yeah, I'm not going to find a tag nabbit. But the the thing that I was thinking of, they are in Earthshock, and I don't even know if they're named, but they are androids helping out the Cybermen. Either way, they were, yeah, lycra-clad robots. I was sort of surprised that they they weren't the same thing, but they're not. Raston warrior robots are a different thing. They only appear in the the Five Doctors. And who will survive? Yeah. I don't remember the robots in Earthshock, aside from the Cybermen. We keep mentioning the Cybermen. Yes. Oh, let's talk Cybermen. I found the dynamics between the Cybermen. They had a leader and they they were having proper conversations. They seemed way more interesting than I've ever seen them in New Who. Yeah, they're more like like, militaristic, right? There are are different ranks. They actually have conversations and give orders to each other, etc. There were multiple cyber leaders in this, yeah. Were there? Cyber leader is the, the one with the black arms on the head is that right <sighs> all right vindex here we come again <laughs> i mean there could have been multiple platoons oh yeah you're right cyber leader yeah yeah that's that makes sense yeah, but that's why I, I was thinking is like yeah each each little group had a leader i think 
I think there was kind of like one main one maybe that was the one that dies at the hand of the master. But then we definitely see other Cybermen with black uh, handles on their helmet getting killed, I think. Mm. So yeah, I think it, it was like a very interesting presentation of... Cybermen working as little units, and sorry, it's exactly what Drew's just said. But you know, I, I feel like it, it was even taking some of concepts we've seen before and miniaturizing it almost. Like normally, you would just get one cyber leader and that's it. Whereas here, we got loads, and there were yeah, little troops out. Yeah, and I think the result was way better than we've seen since the series was revived. I mean, I mean, we've had the we've had the lone Cyberman, but he's you know the the single monomaniacal villain more than a cyberman so yeah and all the cybermen the regular cybermen that the lone cyberman then commands in whichever season it is they're not as dynamic and interesting as these guys yeah they're just soulless deleting machines so how do you i mean in in the new who channel we've just encountered the origins of the cybermen can you see that origin evolving into this me yeah you were on the new who episode all right well i don't know what's happened in the 16 or so years in between um is this like a logical midpoint between that uh, world enough in time yeah and new who of today oh well this is where they should have stopped they should have just kept this yeah fair enough yeah, that's, all, <laughs> I think, that's really the sum of my opinion on it <laughs> fair enough i don't necessarily disagree and i did i did enjoy the cyberman in this more than i've enjoyed a lot of cyber episodes in new who and classic but i i think the thing that did bother me was what made them cybermen in this serial like this could have been like you could have made them any other humanoid alien race and it would have still worked there wasn't the thing about trying to erase people they were listening to points of view like and i don't know it it was changing things a little bit away from what uh kind of more driven species of Cybermen than we've seen before would do. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's There's definitely point. emotion involved here as well. Oh, sorry, Drew. No, no I was going to say exactly what you said. Um, there is emotion. It, it seems like if you did get deleted, you wouldn't actually be deleted. You'd just get a shiny new cyber suit. Yeah. And you'd get to go out on maneuvers, and it'd be hilarious fun. And unless you came up <laughs> against a Rastan Warrior robot, you could defeat practically anyone. Line me up! <laughs> <laughs> And you get to be seven foot tall or something. <laughs> oh, don't rub it in, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I'm not seven foot tall either. <laughs> You're considerably closer than I am, but... Yeah, ditto. <laughs> no, I see what you mean. It is, it is a more horrific prospect to be deleted in the new Who era, I guess. But it's very blank, and it's been done so many times. Yeah, this this seemed like a refreshing welcome change. Mm. I think it would have been nice to see, like, I, obviously, we've just said how much we enjoyed the Raston robot slaughtering the Cybermen, but do they, do the Cybermen really do anything, or are they just literally cannon fodder throughout the entire serial? They intercept Doc and the Master at one point. They, they, they weirdly sneak up on them from every angle <laughs> in an open field. <laughs> but aside from that, yeah, you're right, they're just cannon fodder. And that's there were just a lot so that they. Moments. Sorry, Jim, go. I should say, like, and that setup is just there so that they can be in conversations with Doc and the Master, not so that they can, yeah, like, win anything. <laughs> no, true. No, true. Yeah, 
There are so many moments like that, though, throughout this episode, like where Susan spots the TARDIS because the Doctor sat down (laughs) six feet further away from it than she is. And she's like, Doctor, look! And he has to walk up (laughs) until he's level with her before he can go, oh, look, it's the TARDIS, wonderful! (laughs) And as you say, surrounded on all angles, from all sides, by the Cybermen, not even behind anything, just lurching slowly down the hill towards them. But I think the worst one is how Bagels manages to go completely unnoticed by the master at the end until he turns up behind him and manages to get out of line. Nice to see you again! As he karate chops him. <laughs> That's so good. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I wholeheartedly disagree. That was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you, Jim. That's absolutely incredible. Drew, was this the first time that you met bagels? Yes. Not counting cyber bagels, obviously. (laughs) Definitely not counting cyber bagels. (laughs) How did you feel about how do you feel about having met bagels? Well, I feel like I've almost got the the complete set now. There's only two doctors I haven't seen. I've seen bagels. I didn't see uh, Benton. Would like to see Benton. Yeah, I would have loved to. I know. Why did we get Yates but not Benton? Benton is... Oh. Okay, come on. Let's get into Sorry, the trivia. Because okay. they, oh, here we go. they wanted lots of things different to how it played out. And mm. they invited um, John Levine back to play Benton, apparently. But the whole point of um, in the script, it had Benton not recognizing the second Doctor. And he just refused. He said, I'm not going to do that. It's unfaithful to the character. And he declined to be part of it, which oh, wow. is really weird. So, yeah, the, the fact that uh, Colonel Crichton is there, I think, is because Benton wasn't. <gasps> what? That's crazy, Bananas. Do you think Benton was meant to be Bagel's replacement? Ooh, maybe. That would have been nice. That would have yes, been nice I'm little... looking up Sergeant John Benton on whobackone.com right now. <laughs> what was the first episode we had? Yeah, oh my goodness, yes. Because I was about to say, wait, did he ever meet the second Doctor? And yes, he did. He was in the invasion with Troughton. Is it just one then? Is it is it like the someone fluffed in the production and the writing, but the actor caught it and they just didn't didn't go back on it? Yeah, he was in one in in the invasion. Let's see if there are some photos. Did I not leave it? Oh, no, I did. Oh, you know what? I he's absolutely in that one because on the invasion page, I have the photo, the incredibly starstruck photo of me with John Levine at <laughs> Comic Con or something. <laughs> It's weird that if it was just a misunderstanding, the scriptwriter didn't go, oh, okay, I'll change that, and you're still exactly, on board, yeah? yeah? Yeah, good point. Absolutely. In in it, fact, yeah. oh, uh, Mr. Levine, well done. Here's a bonus for you, sir. You caught us with our pants <laughs> down. Well, because that's, um, like, I'm blatantly just reading this from Wikipedia, but another thing was that in 2013 Carol Ann Ford who I don't know 100% but I'm assuming is who plays Susan yes correct um she said that at the time they wrote the script and they didn't want her to call Doc Grandfather because that would per- give you the perception that he had had sex with someone to father a child and she just blanketly just laughed that off and said no I'm going to call him Grandfather and that's what happened so they did obviously talk about that and things changed and she was not going to do it if they wouldn't let her say Grandfather so yeah well, maybe conversation. why they then didn't let her do hardly anything else <laughs> well I guess yeah. that's 
that's a fair point. You can stay canonically true, Caroline Ford, but you're not going to be able to traverse a field. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Fine. All right, cool. Damsel in distress. Yeah. So originally as well, so we we have obviously these little adventures going off with pairings of Doctor and a companion. And it apparently would have been fourth Doctor with Sarah Jane Smith, third Doctor with Bagels, second Doctor with Jamie, and I guess nothing changed with the first Doctor. I don't know. But because Jamie couldn't do anything more than a cameo, the, the actor that plays Jamie couldn't do anything more than a cameo. So then they were going to bring in Vicky, but then Vicky wasn't available and Baker then decided not to come into it. So they basically had to shuffle everything around. Right. Wait, do you know why Baker refused to do this? Because that's the that's the word I've heard used in connection with this. He refused to be in this one. Yeah, there's nothing much a, about unavailability. I found a quote Ooh. online about okay. it. At some point, Tom Baker said, I turned down the five Doctors because it wasn't long since I'd left. I'd left Doctor Who because I think I'd run my course. I didn't want to play 20% of the part. I didn't fancy being a feed for other Doctors. In fact, it filled me with horror. Now, of course, if someone asked me to do a scene with some other Doctors, I think, and he says, if they let me tamper with the script, it would probably be quite droll. I would think about that, yes. I I love the size of Tom Baker's ego. (laughs) He has every right to have that that big an ego, but wowee. Yeah, it's huge. So big. Of course he's okay to reprise his role now and play even a half a percent of a doctor. Because that me like that kind of callback makes him an utter legend. Whereas back then he he would be almost like an understudy. What an utter dude. <laughs> I mean, yes, but it would have been nice to have him here, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. But that's seriously, we should have weakened at Bernie's to it. <laughs> He's not the only past doctor who didn't appear. There were all the Morbius doctors and the uh, the Joe Martin oh, I'm doctor. Sorry, and... well, no, I'm, I'm sure I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's weird that there was only four of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you remember how Hartnell's, not Hartnell's, Turnbull's doctor says, I was the first? The original, you might say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in that regard, here's a question. The master comes across a corpse, a scorched corpse on the ground oh, yeah. in this family-friendly or kid-friendly family show. Um, <laughs> and he says, uh, one of my predecessors. Is that just someone who's been previously summoned or is that meant to be a prior? Uh, no, that wouldn't even work. You know what I'm trying to get at. Like, is is there some sense of maybe the normal rules don't really apply? We can send a different master here and just zap him, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that the next master is Marty McFly, you know, and just fades out of existence. I'm fairly certain there's a line early in the episode that says we sent people in and haven't heard back from them, which is why we need the ultimate bastard, i.e., you, to go in. Oh, I see. Yeah. Instead. Will you take the mission, Snake? <laughs> Is it okay if we dirty dozen you? <laughs> well, the master's okay, whole point is that he'd love an extra dirty dozen. <laughs> I only had one point that I really wanted to mention. Shoot. Which was that in our last New Who episode, we, or I, read out some of Andrew Marvell's poetry. It's in my notes, it's in my notes! <laughs> here, Tom Baker's punting along the camp mentioning him! <laughs> Yes, indeed. But that's just a coincidence. That's that's all I wanted to point out. One of those weird instances people love to point out of the classic channel and the new channel aligning oddly. Yeah. I know. I know. Very nice. Oh my God. <laughs> 
And how long does it take a Cyberman or two Cybermen to untangle a wire? (laughs) (laughs) This is about the bomb placing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The 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 worst. I don't know. It's probably not even that much on screen time. It's probably like a total of ten seconds. But the worst ten seconds of this serial cutting between Cybers with some really shit bomb prop, and then Susan and Turlo and the TARDIS going, "Oh look, there they are." Oh yeah, I'm really. I mean, we haven't spoken about Turlo at all, but I'm really quite that's pleased that that's the case. Yeah, <laughs> let's leave them out. <laughs> How about we rate this? Let's. Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Well, it's that time where we try and get our thoughts into order, and I've been nominated first because Liam put his finger on his nose, and Drew just went, fuck no, I'm not going first. So here I am. <laughs> yes, what do I make of this? I think the big takeaway is that it's mostly fun, nostalgic schlock. It's <laughs> a chance to see loved companions and doctors uh-huh. of yesteryear and uh-huh. all of that I did enjoy, I have to say, apart from, you know, the, the couple of things I mentioned with misogyny or whatever. Oh yeah, that's still there. Damn it. It is still the 80s after all. But there are some things that I did really love. Like, I've mentioned this quite a lot already, like seeing Troughton actually playing the Doctor. I've not witnessed this before and bloody loved it. His interaction with bagels in particular, like that was a, a amazing pairing. It wasn't something I expected. I didn't know it was going to work, and it did work. Loved that two bits. Yeah. Um, we didn't actually mention there's a brief brief moment where we get some really quite amazing 80s graphics on a screen, showing like the, the structure of the tower and like... Yes, you're right. Bitmap bit style. <laughs> ah, we will go up here. <laughs> Adventure awaits sort of thing. I love seeing that all the time. The violence that we've already talked about, the exploded Dalek, the, the Cybermen being decapitated and having javelins well not javelins but arrows through their limbs and things cut off and like excessive to the 10th degree but great totally enjoyed that I did enjoy actually the third doctor doing the third doctor stuff of like making a zip line and going across it's stupid it's like really doesn't belong in Doctor Who as far as I'm concerned but I enjoyed it nonetheless and I think kind of less so I think maybe with some of the nostalgic things coming in like companions like like Leon correctly mentioned Susan doesn't do anything turlo is doesn't do anything but i don't really care so much about that um we obviously get the kind of fifth doctor is trying to lead the show but then isn't in enough of a way considering this is his era and you know what we've seen with like the 50th reunion i felt like they did a better job of making the interplay between doctors relevant to the current doctor whereas it was more interesting seeing the interplay between the older doctors partly maybe that's building on the the three doctor serial i don't know but yeah it, was, it felt like some, some missed tricks for the era that they're actually in that's for sure but i i, I also want to give it some strangely high props for allowing me to draw references from other popular culture. I don't think they intended this and they definitely didn't because most of them came afterwards. But (laughs) like the robot, I enjoy being able to call that robot stupid sexy robot because the Simpsons having a stupid sexy Flanders moment (laughs) when when Flanders wears an amazing ski outfit and you just see his butt cheeks 
so prominently. I mean, I'm Google forever. image searching that right now. Yeah, yeah, should do. Great. We have Sir not appearing in this film from Monty Python's The Holy Grail, aka Tom Baker's Fourth Doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, the reference I've already made, of course, The Wizard of Oz, Rassilon appearing at the end and just going, everyone gets to go home. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little bit of a side thing. But I, I enjoyed that there's so much stuff in this serial that you can you can kind of like play around with what they might have been leaning on. They probably weren't, but I don't know. It's, it's the fun aspect of it, I think, that is the takeaway. So whilst it is no we're close to being a great episode. It's marginally a good episode, I feel. I will leave you with one what the fuck question, though, in my summing up, which is, it just it only dawned on me in this one, for some reason, at the start, we didn't want to talk about Turlo, but I'm going to, because why the fuck is he still wearing that schoolboy outfit? Anyway, three, and a, three out of five. <laughs> Sorry, did you say three out of five? Yes. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why, Leon. Tell why <laughs> i'm gonna go full voltaire i respect your opinion and your right to have a, a wrong one because hell yeah i agree with you this is nostalgic schlock this is doctor who blasting memory lane from the past i loved every stinking minute of this anniversary special uh i don't know let's do word association pertwee hair Herndall, Air, Baker, Ware, Troughton, yeah, Davison, <laughs> meh. Oh, if, if I had to pick a favorite Doctor Companion group here, I second, by the way, what we've said, uh, second and third what we've said, I would defo pick Troughton and Bagels. Troughton, in many ways, hasn't aged a bit. It's as though he's traveled in the TARDIS from the last time he was on air in the, th in the Three Doctors to this one. It's perfect. And extra points for Bagels' fake mustache making a comeback. Great stuff. All the aliens, hurrah. Uh, I'll, I'll single out the Raston murder scene because that one stands out as particularly bonerific. Loved every stinking moment of that carnage. The music. We didn't talk about this at all. We mentioned this off the air. We didn't talk this at all. Soundbite. Those stings inside the Dark Tower in particular. Wowie. Shazamatron. Incredible. Uh, the landscape. It's like they found a landscape comprised of quarries. It's perfect. <laughs> the... <laughs> This serial like they went mining for quarries. <laughs> <laughs> This serial's greatest asset is everything, and its biggest flaw is there's not enough of it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Just kidding. The wow. biggest flaw is that the conspiracy falls a, f a little flat for me, and perhaps the master is not entirely well invested. So I, I guess my main takeaway is that I have to echo your sentiment that prior docs are more interesting than the current chap, but who cares? If it were bad, I would still say, hey, it's for charity, in it. But as it's great, I'm going to say you're welcome, television history, and I'm giving this 4.2 4.2 whoa dang right but jesus <laughs> it's not as good as the three doctors though <laughs> no that's true not as good <laughs> Drew, what do you fall on this? Well, here's my rating. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this was the longest single episode of Doctor Who, right? Well, Must I thought been. it was one episode, but Jim, you said it was like four. No, it was, it was one episode, but they did a version to be oh, split I into see. four. Yeah, so longest single episode, of which I even watched the extended edition, and still it left me wanting even more of this epic Doctor Who and the last crusade of the Fellowship of the Tower of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> See all those pop culture references you can make, eh? Fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it had an indelible left an indelible mark on the 80s it may even have been responsible for nightmare with its wonky graphics and death zone vibes everybody got to appear do some things or at least scream a bit and i thought while watching it the pacing and the balance were handled remarkably well every doctor was given the opportunity to express some of their incarnation's unique character as i very basically understand it or in the case of richard herndl pay suitable homage and the pairings themselves of three two and one with sarah jane bagels and tegan were all individual the scenes in the gallifrey and high council this is high praise they reminded me of i claudius to the point where i had to check barusa wasn't played by george baker i.e tiberius <laughs> oh wow i foresee a 5.0 <laughs> well there was no jacoby was there <laughs> the spooky phantoms and their anguished cries as they were dispatched to oblivion were truly chilling and i like the the beautiful model work to to an extent i like davison's mention of cosmic angst great chunks of his past detaching like melting icebergs and i think we did get to see a bit of davison when he was taking on barusa in his lair okay leon was wowed by the lair but i i think i got a bit of the fifth doctor's personality fair now i only have the horns of naimon to compare this to which of course it's far superior to despite the laughable quirks of the period which include the doomy synth note stings and also how if only the master had been pointing the gun at all of the men he'd have had nothing to fear it was fun though to see that alongside the 80s intimating how far they'd progressed since the sexist old days of the hartnell 60s a lesson for people of any time period perhaps but i get it this was a big deal this was the biggest we had before the 50th surely i'm sure its precedent in many way enabled the 50th i'm gonna give it a 3.6 mm. oh yeah nicely <laughs> wait, right wait, in I the see middle what you did there drew yeah what, what no you don't <laughs> shut up <laughs> Coink and ink, um, things not. I'm just going to jump into well, the air and disappear while you're. While you're where's he gone? Oh no, where'd he gone? Where's he gone? I mean, we could do an experiment. What if I? What if I change mine to three point two? Mm, you make a good point, Jim. Oh, awesome! Wow, there's a little bit of a spread. Not not too too far from each other, though. We're just going to have to find out what Podcastland thinks, then, aren't we? To to see if this is a a home dinger or if there are any people that didn't enjoy it. Oh, let's. This love is now let's hear from Podcastland. Max two fifty, or it would get out of hand. Oi, oi, you lucky people, you made it to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. Um, yeah, I- done. <laughs> <laughs> we have got, for your earball pleasure, not six, not seven, but eight listener minis. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs> And because this is a bit of a special episode, being the 20th anniversary, five doctors, yeah, shindig, we're actually going to, for once, read them all out. Why? Aren't you lucky? Um, You're welcome, podcast land. <laughs> exactly. And also, thank you. Yes, of course, thank you. And um, do you know how just how lucky you are? Because the first one, the very first one we are going to read out is from GP Haynes. And that's not only the first reviewer, it's a... New reviewer. <laughs> Hello, GP Haynes. 
Hello. Absolutely thrilled to be traveling down this temporal road with you. Oh, I'm so glad I guessed it on this episode. Just to hear from G.P. Haynes. Exactly. Well, we better hear from G.P. Haynes. What do they say? They say, hey, guys. Good start. Guys? Where is G.P. from? Calling what? us something like guys. Long-time listener from Australia. First-time reviewer. Firstly, thanks for an awesome podcast. You're welcome. I can't tell you how much I laughed over the last few years at work or driving when listening to you. Keep it up. We intend to. Thanks, man. (laughs) Yeah, just reading that out to get the warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Anyway, on to the review, says GP. Well, the 20th anniversary is on the whole a great serial. The production is top-notch, and it was so lovely to see past companions and doctors together again on screen. None more so than Troughton, Pertwee, and the Brigadier. The Master is on good form, and the Gallifrey scenes are relatively interesting. The replacement actor for Hartnell also did a fantastic job. The actually good Dalek involvement was kept to a minimum, and Pertwee finally gets to face off against the Cybermen. We even see Bessie before zapped by a laser. Hmm. The highlight was probably the sentry robot slaughtering all the Cybermen. Great special effects. The downsides are the somewhat weak plot and the glaring omission of Baker, who by all accounts felt it was too soon to be in Doctor Who again, and he apparently regretted this decision later. I also felt there was just a little too much needless talking between the actors as they made their way toward the tower. No, not the mind-blowing serial I recall as a 12-year-old boy watching on TV, but still enjoyable and one of Davison's best. Ooh, Ooh. that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And GP gives this a rating of 4.6, not the 5. Doctors actually... Oh, fantastic. That is a solid rating, GP. (laughs) GP, thanks so much for joining us on this temporal road. This is excellent. Yeah, keep it up, GP. We would love Mm. to see more of you. Who's next? Why, next up, we have Dan from Devon. Hello, Dan from Devon. Dan from Devon is also a new reviewer. Entirely out of sync. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Dan. Welcome, 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 welcome. Glad to be traveling down this temporal road with you. Dan says, Hello, you lovely people. On original broadcast, this Uncle Terry penned mashup of all things who was so exciting. It melted my six-year-old brain. On sober grown-up watching, it's an ungainly lump of wasted cameos. Rackety old plots and terrifying, gently sloping grass verges. <laughs> well done. But it's the bloody five doctors, so any criticism is plainly futile. Handel does a great, yes, great, why do so many people crap on his performance? First doctor. Troughton is inevitably magnificent. Pertwee is paired with Sarah Jane, who was always the best companion for him. And Davison has grown out of his season 19 petulance and is both likeable and capable. Ainley is on top form too, for once being given a storyline that doesn't make him look like a total dingleberry. <laughs> Boo to Tom for not showing up, but the Shada scene is as charming here as it was in its original script. My faves from the story include the badass Raston robot. Can anyone explain why New Who writers haven't made it a returning monster? Nope, we no. ask the same question. No, they can't. Oh my God. 
Peter Howell's brilliant, haunting score and Nicholas Courtney effortlessly being the coolest guy on screen. My rating, says Dan from Devon, is 4.0 Doctors out of 5. <laughs> nice. Sensing a theme. Oh, well done. <laughs> Maybe they haven't brought the robot back because of his brilliant haunting crack. <laughs> yeah, Matt Smith already faced the crack, I believe. So, yeah. <laughs> too, too many cracks. Oh, this is excellent uh, stuff, Dan. Thank you very much for sending this in. Please keep them coming. <laughs> truly awesome stuff, Dan. You you are actually making me consider I've gone too low because that was oh, that was oh, a resounding, really? sensible critique. But also just like, and it was still fun, which is kind of what yeah. I was trying to get at. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those like, this is terrible, but who cares? It's great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, nice one. Dan's barely arrived. He's already changing minds. Mm. Who's next? Why, next we have Stephen from Canada. Stephen Stephen from Canada. From Canada. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. Everybody Hello, defines Steve. themselves so geographically. Is it? Was this Tracy from America started this? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen from Canada begins Canadianly. Now I know what you might be thinking. Here comes Stephen from Canada, our resident Hartnell simp, ready to write a diatribe about how the Five Doctors sucks, how Richard Herndl is a disgrace, and how the show was better in black and white. Well, you're going to be quite disappointed. I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> Excellent. Nice. The story is a fun romp that celebrates the first 20 years of the show, bringing back fan-favorite characters and diving into Time Lord mythos. My main issue is with companions. And after every single word of the next sentence, there's a hand slap emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie and two are a perfect pair. Do not mess with it! Well, at least our resident substitute is available. The Brigadier and Second Doctor reunion is fun, but not ideal. I liked that some of the other companions were at least present. Seeing Zoe again was a joy, and Mike and Liz returning was great. Would have liked to see the First Doctor interact with some other companions rather than play hopscotch with Tegan. The rest of the story is pretty good, though it's not without some minor criticism. I think I'd care a bit more about the Time Lord drama if they didn't keep changing the actors every story they show up in. I can't tell any of them apart. (laughs) It was nice to see a Dalek again. Just wish it wasn't in such terrible condition the cybermen much like limited edition oreos were double stuffed (laughs) (laughs) what an analogy wow (laughs) jokes aside i actually prefer the cybermen to not look identical they're cyborgs not robots they should be more diverse and overall stephen from canada concludes canadianly overall this is an enjoyable story but much like the three doctors it's let down by its potential this story earns 3.9 thick ass gallifreyan warrior robots out of five that's thick with two c's yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) oh bravo stephen well done Good stuff. <laughs> That's worthy of at least 10,000 follows on Twitter. Where might one follow Stephen from Canada on the Tweety Bloops? <laughs> Why, of course, it's at S. Andre Etchen. That's right. <laughs> Go there pronto. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thanks that a ton. Who have we Who's got next? Who's next? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we asked it at the same time. I can answer it. It's none other than Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hi, Kieran. Hello, Kieran. 
Kieran, what have you for us today? Well, you have. Hi, folks. Good start again. I'm liking how well <laughs> people know how to start these. Very good. Um, yeah. So we are finally here, the 20th anniversary special. Is it up to it? Well, I'm going to give two rankings for this one as a story and as a special. Hmm, interesting. Also, we have the issue of original or special edition version, the version I watch more. Hmm, okay, might be four rankings then. Um, and Kieran has given us a little uh, indicator. If it's a black triangle for the time scoop, it's the original. The special edition has a swirling vortex. So even Ooh. more Wizard of Oz, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Kieran does continue with the review proper, though. Um, so someone is time scooping the previous Doctors and placing them in the death zone on Gallifrey. Five Doctors? Well, four as Tom didn't want to appear, and thus represented by footage from Sharda and a corrupted timescope. So four? Well, yeah, Hartnell had died by this point. So other than that clip at the start, it's Richard Herndall doing his take on the first Doctor. I actually like it in a weird way. I pre prefer it to David Bradley's version in Twice Upon a Time, but more about that on another time. Interesting. Sadly, Richard died not long after this in April 1984. Hmm, that is hmm. sad. Terence Dix had a job writing this one. Originally, Robert Holmes was doing it, but left, and then Dix had to deal with Tom not coming back. So Ward insisted on the lots of Cybermen, something Dix didn't like, but he did come up with the Raston Warrior Robot, probably the best one-off monster. <laughs> the scene of it massacring the Cybermen was actually directed by JNT himself. No I feel... Hmm, I feel Troughton and Pertwee get the most to shine with, but there is quite a bit of padding even in the original version. So, as a special, Kieran gives this 4.5 out of 5. Woo! As a story in itself, though, it gets taken down to a 3.9. But Woo! then you have to take off 0 0.3 for both of them <gasps> if you're watching the original versions. <laughs> So we end up with Leon's rating if you're watching the original as a special. So there you go. You agree with Leon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. You've confused the hat out of me. <laughs> oh, and me if you're watching the original version of the story. <laughs> oh, yes. Very good. There we go. Yeah. Never By the me. way, excellent. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Leon and I yeah, agree yeah. with you wholeheartedly. Absolutely. <laughs> Kieran, well done. How can people follow Kieran on the interwebs? Well, hey, you can follow Kieran on Twitter at KJEvans2. Ooh, do so. Say hi from us. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. Next up, we've got Ed Corbet. It's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> hi, Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the glass. I'm missing true. that from my life. <laughs> Ed starts. It sounds like there were lots of changes to who would be appearing in this serial, so the companion roles are quite generic. While this is generally okay, it really hurts Susan. I found their reunion a bit disappointing. She didn't recognize five. You'd think she'd recognize Doc in whatever regeneration, unless she's not a Time Lord. Ooh. But regardless, <laughs> yeah, Sting. <laughs> But regardless, surely one doesn't think he needs to introduce five to his own granddaughter. I'm not mocking it down for it, as I know what this serial is, but School Reunion shows us what this could have been. The Daleks and Cybermen play the game too well. What? The Dalek that killed itself and the Cybermen that got pawned by a robo-ballet dancer? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Ed. Exactly those ones. I enjoy the Doctors not getting on, but I don't like the way they portray one. 
as the wise one simply because he is physically the oldest. He is still younger than all of them. Five should be addressing him as young man, not the other way around. That is a crazy good point, by the way. Mm. That's, that's a very clever observation. Nice one, Ed. Ed continues, in fact, concludes, if you were looking at this for the first time now, I could understand if you thought this was a quite thin serial, but in the context of the time, this serial is exactly what it's supposed to be, a Doctor Who's greatest hits. I saw this as a child, and because of the novels, I knew who Pat and John were, but had never seen them. I still remember how genuinely delighted I was to see them for the first time. And as such, Ed gives this 2.3. 2.3 from Ed. A very real meeting. I'm sorry? (laughs) We had Pat and John, or that would have been brutal. Yeah, it would have robo-ballet danced all over this. Nice one, Ed. Very nice. Uh, the, the whole first Doctor being the youngest is blowing my mind. That's a fantastic observation. Very nice, Ed. Thank you very much. Thanks for sending that in. Yeah, Good stuff. Thank you, Ed. Who's next? Why, it's Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? It's the Zunmeister himself. Hello, Peter. The Zunmeister begins... How does one fairly rate something like this? On one hand, it contains everything a fan could ever want. It features everyone's favourite Doctor to date. Mostly. (laughs) Each has their own companion, their own trials to overcome, and their own standout moments. They interact beautifully with one another. It's got the top three most popular baddies. A Yeti, an amazing new robot assassin, and Time Lord Law. The music and production quality are quite high. Honestly, what an amazing feat for an anniversary special. Added bonus, the DVD version remakes many of the effects and features a few editorial changes that address some of my long-standing pet peeves with the original release. Ooh. Oh, very curious about that. Mm. On the other hand, Mm. with so much to feature, there's little time for anything substantial. Because there's so much of everyone, there's nothing noteworthy from anyone. Every peril is contrived and or obvious. I'd also like to stress my personal distaste for making Borussia the villain. It (gasps) counters the idea that good Time Lords remain at heart a good Time Lord, implying the Doctor could regenerate evil one day. Ooh. Yes. Yes, Dagnabbit. Wait, what about the Valyard? Haven't gotten to him yet. Not sure. Okay. Revisit this concept then. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm sure the Chancellery Guard would, ju- would use stun on their superior who is merely trying to run away. Some of the writing just doesn't appeal. However, Peter concludes, I love and appreciate this unique Marvel story. I also find it trivial and forced. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, given its significance, is it fair to put this on the same scale as regular stories? And his rating is substitute one, two, three, tiny bit of four and five stars, or (laughs) (laughs) 3.0. You say? Nice one. Uh, I know one person who thinks that's an excellent rating. (laughs) I do feel like we think alike sometimes, Peter. You know, and that, that was the kind of thing I had. Is like I don't know what to do for this. It's a special. It's fun. But it's a bit crap still. Three. There we go. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Thanks very much, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Who's next? <laughs> oh, that's what I sound like. Oh, my goodness. That's so cool. <laughs> Why, there's that guy who's got extra digits. It's Tan's Six Fingers. Or fewer what digits. Up, Tan's Six Fingers? Uh, Tan starts. Hello, Leon and Jim. 
But I'm sure Taz will say hello to Drew. I'm sure he would say hello to Drew. On to Tan's review. I loved seeing the past Doctors come back, but I wish they had interacted more with each other. The seal of the High Council that the Third Doctor takes from the Master is the one that is used in the time of the Doctor to contact Galathrae through the crack. Return of the crack. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) This is Stephen Moffat at his best playing the long game. It's almost as good as the John Hurt moment. From the second Doctor explaining to the Brigadier that the Time Lords erased Jamie's memory in the war games, this shows that he is from season 6B. Terence Dix wrote this story and the war games and a couple of novels, and he justified the 6B timeline. Mm. And then Tans gives us a tick sheet, which is bullet points to you and me. Uh, the first and second Doctors met the Master, meaning that the first eight incarnations will have. Hmm. More importantly, Anthony Ainley shared screen time with all of the classic series Doctors. Hmm. Similarly, the third Doctor faced the Cybermen, meaning that all the classic series Doctors have. Hmm. Sarah Jane meets Doctors 1, 2, and 5. She travelled with 3 and 4. And met 10 and 11 in Sarah Jane Adventures. Companion-wise, she has met the most incarnations of the Doctor on screen. Hats off. And then some additionals from Tans. This is the beginning of the Master's obsession to use Cybermen as his personal army. Nice. Intrigued. And the Doctor didn't know of the the Daleks or Cybermen until he encountered them in his travels. Why then would he know they were banned from the game of Rassilon? Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. I mean, that's the answer to everything, so yes. Tans, of course, gives us a rating, and that is 4.1 out of 5. What a dude! Excellent rating. What a huge six-fingered heart. (laughs) If you want to say thank you to Tans, where would you go? Where wouldn't I go? Woof! (laughs) <laughs> head on over to the interwebs uh twitter insta you name it tans can be found at tans six fingers that's six the number and word respectively uh try both you'll find them thanks very much tans six fingers thanks tans nice one tans who's next why it's paul Waring. hello paul hello paul Hey there, Paul. Mm, fancy meeting you here. Paul says, if the Doctor is one of your favorite TV characters, a show that features no less than five of them is always going to go down well. I like seeing some of the usual Doctor and companion pairings being shuffled up. Tegan with the first Doctor is particularly amusing. Mm, interesting. The jostling between the second and third Doctors, a carryover from the three Doctors, is brilliant too. But nothing beats the second Doctor and the Brigadier, who still have fantastic chemistry and some of the best dialogue. Have I ever led you astray? on many occasions well this will be the exception in my notes we also get to see the only time the third doctor encounters the Cybermen all other incarnations get at least one full story with them and no one can forget one of the most badly slash hilariously delivered lines in Doctor Who not the mind probe there is no mention of Chameleon though despite him having joined the TARDIS team in the previous story holy shit I totally forgot oh, yeah. about Chameleon <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely totally blanked on that dude. <laughs> well, I mean, he just blends into the background. <laughs> yes. Bravo, everyone. <laughs> there are so many people in this that the chameleon could have been any of them. <laughs> Who, who's to say chameleon wasn't? Or the Raston warrior robot, even. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Paul <laughs> continues, finally... 
there's a concept which will be an important part of New Who, namely that a Time Lord can obtain a new cycle of regenerations, assuming, of course, that the High Council aren't lying to get the Master's cooperation. Overall, he says, this story is full of tropes, cliches, and catchphrases, and therefore, one for the dedicated fan. Like me! It's great fun and I rewatch it regularly! And Paul gives this... <gasps> uh, hold on to your pacemakers for an almost perfect score... 4.25 out of 5. Nice. That's like four doctors plus one that didn't quite make it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Paul. People who are not Paul, fret not. Head on over to the Twitter sphere and uh, learn all about Paul in order to befriend him. He can be found uh, where? At either one of you. Pwaring. Pwaring, indeed! Uh, spelled exactly how it sounds. Of course. Thanks very much, How else would he spell it? <laughs> Yes, thank you, Paul, and thank you, everyone. Oh my God, that—that's it. That—that that wraps up the five doctors. I mean, what the hell just happened? <gasps> uh, twenty years of classic Who just passed us by. <laughs> Holy yeah, smokes, we just—we just did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, the adventures don't have to stop there. What are we coming up next? Why, in the classic channel, you two guys have Warriors of the Deep. That's right. I saw a prop from Warriors of the Deep at the uh, Who Museum this past weekend. Drag. <laughs> <laughs> Super looking forward to it. What about New Who? I hear the New Who people will be doing The Doctor Falls. Oh my goodness. Yeah, second, we will. And yeah, second he will. Part. <laughs> second part, eh? Tr- oh, oh my good. Yeah, so yeah I'm going to try not to be as... Oh, oh, sorry. It's like so close to like the end of Capaldi. <sighs> I know, it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I'm really going to try not to be as drunk for part two of that. Holy moly, I'm so sorry. I am so incredibly sorry. <laughs> uh, you've, you've apologized for being drunk now almost as many times as you told us you were drunk in the original recording. <laughs> uh, well, I cut a lot of that out, I'll have you know. <laughs> 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 we'll also do a bonus episode at some point. Rumor has it that we'll be doing uh, a hashtag RTD2 bonus episode. I certainly believe so. I certainly hope so. We're not entirely sure when that's going to be. We haven't put it in the calendar yet, but a lot of people have asked us about this. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, and by the time we-, we get around to it, perhaps it will also be a Flux episode one instant review at the same time. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah, why don't we? Yeah, Ooh. maybe we'll do something like that. That's a very good idea. Yeah. So that's all the goodness you've got to look forward to in the uh, podcaster sphere. But if you want to noise us up on some other kind of sphere, uh, uh, noise me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're all in the in the same sphere. In fact, you know, we we don't like to venture too far mm. in the in the in the Twitter encompassing area. And uh, where where might they find you, Drew? For example, oh, you can noise me right up at <laughs> Drew back when. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent branding. Oh, I think it is. Isn't it just? <laughs> and Leon? Uh, say hi to me on Twitter. I can be found at, at Ponkin, P O N K E N. Um, high five me online. I will high five you right back. And Jim, how might people venture into your sphere? Well, they uh, go through a laborious process of booking a ticket and then waiting in line. And, uh, no, they can just go to at Jimmy the Who, of course. <laughs> Jimmy the Who, you say? Exactly. Yes, you're you're so good at that these days. You never quite just double checking. Get it wrong, you know. <laughs> 
So that wraps it up. That was the five doctors. Oh my goodness. Until the next one, all I could gotta say is really just uh, be awesome and see ya. Yeah, stay safe, be rad and excellent to each other. Uh thank you, chaps, for a fantastic soiree, by the way, and welcome to Classics, Drew. Cha ciao, everyone in Podcast Land. Farewell, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my classic version of bye-bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then ciao ciao who back when I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now